A couple of corrections I need to make from last Sunday's sermon. I said I've been married to my wife 27 years. My wife corrected me after church for 28 years. <laughs> I usually get it right. That was last year. Kids church. Dismissed. Everything goes Miss Becky. But I just wanted to correct that. And then I said that the men's encounter was last weekend. And I said something about the guys were gone there. And I had that one wrong too. They're actually gone this weekend. They have almost 1,100 men at the campground this weekend. Um, I've seen very little on Facebook. But I did see one guy post and said that there's a remarkable uh, move of God. He said during praise and worship he couldn't even get to the front because of all the guys coming forward to praise and worship God. Last week I spoke on relationships, about how love is the key, that God's love is what makes a difference in every relationship in your life, Amen. that God's love without it, you can't have a depth in a relationship, that God's love is the only true love, that that love will carry on into everything we do in this life. Love is the key to every relationship. Today I'm going to expand on that, and I'm going to look at a relationship within ourselves, but also with others. I'm going to start off in Matthew 22, 34 through, 30, uh, 34 through 40, excuse me. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked the question, teacher, which commandment is the great law is the greatest? He said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the most important command. The second is like, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. Last week I preached on the first one. Love your God. He loved us first. We love him in return. As Christians, as believers, we're to love the others first. And maybe they'll love us in return, just the way God loves us. God loves us first, and some people love Him back, and some people don't. The same thing will happen with us in the world, to clarify what I just said. But love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. God loves you and wants you to love yourself. My first point you are called into relationships not to be alone. As I wrote this message, it really spoke to me. There's several of you here that feel alone. There's several of you here that would rather be left alone at times. I've been there. I'm still there at times. My wife knows when I'm having one of my days where I'm having a little bit of PTSD attacks. I'm quiet. I'm a little more distance. She gives me a little more space out of love. That's right. But, you know, we're not called to be alone. Even in those days, my wife is still there for me. I know my God is still there for me because I go into prayer in those days intensely. That way I can crawl out of where, where the enemy's trying to put me. Yes. I have looked through this whole Bible. You show me a scripture that says you're walking this life alone. There is not a single instance in this whole Bible where anybody walked alone in it. Amen. 
the closest thing that I could probably think of is Job. And he still had a wife and he had a few friends even though they wasn't that positive on him. But still, Job had God and he was not alone. He still had friends and he still had a wife. There is nowhere that we're called to walk alone. Alone is the exact opposite of relationships. Remember what our definition of relationship was. You're joining two or more things together. You're connecting two things. If you're alone, you can't do that. That's one of the reasons I get so infuriated when I see the COVID commercials alone together. It don't make sense. It's yeah. the enemy trying to confuse, yeah. trying to deceive. And they play them every, every time the commercials come on there for a while, trying to brainwash you into believing you can be alone together. Even if you're in your own boat, you're not alone. That's right. I won't necessarily say I'm in your boat, but you know what? I'm in your battle group. That's right. And if you look at the Navy, when they have a battle group, they may have the different boats, and that boat may be by itself in the water as far as this boat's this boat. But you can bet that if there's an aircraft carrier right there, there's a battleship right in this vicinity. You could probably even bet there's a submarine somewhere in the vicinity, a prayer warrior. For that carrier. Think of yourself as that carrier. You've got people that are going to battle for you. You probably even have submarines, people that you don't even know that are there for you. The light of the enemy is to single you out to take you astray. A predator does not go for the full herd, he goes for the one to itself. A predator looks for the one that's weaker by being off to the side. When a lion goes after a gazelle, he don't try the whole herd. He tries to cut one off the herd. And then he'll go for that one and take it down and attack and kill and destroy. What else tries to kill and destroy in our lives? Satan, the enemy. Which is stronger, one quarter rope or two or three? Obviously, two or three are stronger. I've dangled on the end of several ropes doing rescue work and training in rescue work. I would not depend on a single cord of rope coming off a six-story of a building. The rope that I actually depend on has several strands. It has actually three layers. It has a cord, it has an outer, a medium layer, and it has an outer sheath. So it has at least three layers, but several strands within those layers. In order for me to be able to put my life on a, on a 7 sixteenths diameter rope or a 5 inch diameter rope, I want to know that it has multiple layers. Amen. Ephesians 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their effort. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. We look at that. How many people ever need help getting up physically? Last year, I ordained. I was up front of James River Church. At one point in the service, he kneeled down and a guy, guy prayed over me. They spoke over us and they prayed over us. And it was probably five, six, seven minutes. To be honest, I had a really hard time getting up. My knees are bad. I'm a big boy. The other guy that's praying over me, thank goodness, was a big boy because he gave a hand. He helped me up. 
My knees were asleep already. They didn't they wasn't wanting me to get up. This verse applies to me. I needed help physically getting up. But how often do we need help emotionally getting up? Yes. How often do we need help spiritually getting up? That's what the church is for. That's what the body's for, for us to grow together, for us to help each other up, to help yeah. encourage each other, to help us grow together, to help disciple each other, to be discipled. Amen. It goes both ways. It don't matter if you're the newest Christian in here, you can still disciple somebody. That's right. Because to tell you what, sometimes... What you don't understand, the questions you ask will turn around and spark the other one to have to seek God in it. Crystal led a lady to, to a Christ at our last church. This lady would come up and she would ask some of the hardest questions. I know she was in the Bible. There's a lot of times whenever she asked me the question, I'd just be thinking, Lord, give me the answer because I'm not real sure. And boy, God would speak to me and give me the answer for her. And then I'd go back and I'd read some more to make sure what I was telling her. Come find out she was going to another couple asking them the same question she was asking Crystal and I. And they was giving her the same answer that Crystal and I was giving her. Now, I know this other couple and her godly couple, but we don't always see eye to eye on things. But you know what? The Holy Spirit lined us up. Two strands helping that third strand. Basic survival technique. If you're out in the woods, you got lost, you're cold, and you're wet, and you're, and you're by yourself. It's going to be hard to stay warm, but if you're with somebody, you can huddle. You can take that 98 degrees and the 98 degrees and push it together and help keep that hypothermia from setting in. We need each other. Reaching and connecting is not a weakness. It is obedience to the Word of God. It is a model that God set before us, that God made. God made for us to connect with each other. Genesis 2, 18 through 23. Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper corresponding to him. Yes. Now, think about this. God's created this whole earth, all these animals and all this, to come into his presence. He realizes all the animals. He still wants something in his image, so he creates man. But that still isn't good enough that he's made man, man's for him, he's for man, so now he needs to do something different. Because he still, it's not the kind of relationship that he wants to desire. The Lord God formed out of the earth every wild animal, every bird of the sky, and brought each to the man to see what he would call. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was his name. That man named all the livestock to the birds of the sky, to every wild animal. But for man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come over the man. He slept, and God took one rib, one of his ribs, and closed the flesh at that place. Then God made a rib that he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is my bone, of my bone, my flesh of my flesh, this will be called woman, for she was taken from man. If you think about this, God had all this to choose from, but he still wanted us to be in existence of relationship with him. Why would God have created us over all the earth, every animal, every plant, if he didn't want to be with us. Why would he have come into the garden to be with Adam and Eve 
if he did not want to be with them. Think about it. It's Almighty God. He can be anywhere he wants to be. And if there's no place he wants to be, he can make it by just speaking it. We was talking about how God speaks last Wednesday night. God just spoke the universe into existence. That's all it is. Speak it, and it was done. Amen. So he didn't even create a new place. But he chose to walk into the garden and be in the presence of Adam and Eve. To be with them. To be in a relationship with them. Why has God showed his people the way to him time after time if he does not want to be with us? You look through the Old Testament. Good leader, a couple bad leaders, good leader, a couple bad leaders. People come to him, go to the idols, go to the idols. Get really bad, come back to him. Really not much different than today's world. Things get hard, they come to God, turn around, start drifting away, going back to their idols, going back to their life, going back to their wants. It's a drift relationship back and forth. God wants to be with us. God wants for us to be in his love. God wants for us to show that love to others. God wants us to receive love from others. God wants for us to seek the relationship, that love within others. God gave us Jesus. Jesus came and is now interceding for you. He came and he died for your sins, but it didn't stop there. He rose, and when he went away, he started interceding for you. So the same thing I'm asking for you to do in February for the church, for the prayer wall, Jesus is doing for us. But we're called to intercede too for the others. Then Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13 through 4. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all the truth. For he will not speak on his own. He will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare to you. You are not called to walk alone. You're called to walk with God. You're called to walk with Jesus and let Jesus pray for you. You're called to receive the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. And if you do those things, then you're going to want to reach out and you're going to want to reach out and share that love and share that now, I understand there are days that we may have that it's easy to pull back and stay at the house, stay at the farm. It's hard for me not to stay at the farm anymore now that I'm living in the city, but it's easy to stay indoors. It's easy to stay to ourselves. And you know what? We're not called to do that every day. We're called to get out there and do it. We're called to get out there and do our jobs in our actual real workplaces because that's part of our ministry. We're called to share that love of God. We're not called to go through life alone. You have God the Father. You have Jesus. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a body of believers, a fellowship, a church body here that cares. How many people did you reach out to last week within this church body? How many people did you turn around and just text, how you doing? What's up? I love you. Yeah, I know some of you turn up, I love you kind of people. The text that are safe. To be honest, it's sort of weird to be at times. Especially with some of you ladies, because I don't want it to ever be conceived wrong. But you know what? That's the enemy speaking, trying to get a deception in there that I can't That's say right. it. That's right. Stop believing the lies that you are alone. Stop believing that no one understands you. You know what? I guarantee you that nobody does understand you 100%. 
I can understand you to a degree, but I'm not you. So I do not understand you. Guess what? Jesus does. He's interceding for you. God does. He knows what you was like from the word get go before you even could see. And the Holy Spirit does because He knows your thoughts and what it's like before anything else. He knows what you're thinking. He knows how to have you pray when you don't even know what to pray. He says you can pray with grumbles and moans and groans and cries, and He'll He'll intercede for you. So the Holy Spirit definitely understands. I don't have to understand you totally. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Even if I don't understand you totally, and you don't understand me totally, that's all right. Because if we work in the Spirit, we have a love, we have a passion that we can have that we wouldn't normally have. Very few people understand PTSD. Very few people understand the attacks of it. And I have let it be a major crippling factor to a lot of relationships in my life. In my ministry at times. Because I didn't belong. Because I did feel alone. Because I feel like I was something different weird. But you know what? All those were lies of the enemy putting up obstacles. And whatever's in your way, whatever loss, whatever hurt, whatever hang up, whatever PTSD, whatever addiction, it's the enemy putting it in your way. And God can overcome. Stop putting up walls in relationships. Stop putting up walls in relationships. It's up to you that love God to destroy those walls. It's up to you that love God to use love to destroy those walls. It says that we don't fight the war with weapons known to man. We fight with love. And love will tear down those walls. That's right. Start building deeper relationships instead of putting up walls. My second point. Every human needs other people. And I sort of preached, started just a little bit into this point in December when I was talking about Sam Walton didn't build Walmart by himself. And it showed his whole progress of his career. But name me one single person that done life without needing somebody else. First of all, there's nobody that could because everybody had a mother. So you had to have somebody just make it into this world. Actually, two somebody. You had to have a mother and had to have somebody that fathered except for Jesus, which I know we all like to be independent. I know we like to get it done. We like to say, I got this. Look, Larry the Cable Guy built his whole whole, whole career on get it done. Get it done. Why is that? Because it's a simple, basic concept of the way men think, and ladies too for that matter. Get her done. I'm going to get her done regardless of what happens. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it done if it kills me. I'm going to get that trailer loaded up regardless. <laughs> Don't help me load up my 18 foot trailer full of stuff yesterday. I got home. I had a full 18 foot trailer and a pickup load full of doing the garage. My attitude was I'm going to get it done. I got it done. And I got the leaves cleaned up in the yard. Then I was done. <laughs> I was beat last night. I'm not saying a get it done attitude is wrong, but the problem is so many times we got to get it done in ourselves, and we're not called to do that. We're called to get it done with others. We're called to get it done with God, with the Holy Spirit's guidance. We are a church body to do it together. That's 
I can't go out here and make a big revival happen in Purdy. First of all, we need God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit to do it. But I can't do it even with just them, although he can. But he needs every one of you doing your part this year. Right. Leadership, we've been meeting. We've been working on a calendar for this year. I'm going to tell you, the calendar's looking pretty busy, guys. And it's going to take every single person getting busy to lead this community into the future, to lead them into Jesus, to show them the love that we need to do. It's going to take a commitment. God could have cleared the sin right out of Adam and Eve, yet he loves us enough to give us a choice. God could have come in and could have brought Jesus just like a whirlwind, but he chose to use a relationship. Real life relationships as a little person, as a baby, as an infant, a child growing into an adult. Jesus could have showed us relationships. Jesus showed us relationships are a part of life. You think about all of Jesus' life. Why, why did he just not come like the Holy Spirit come in with a whirlwind and a fire? And boom, here's the ministry of Jesus. And then he went right to the cross and right to the grave. Think about that. He spent 30, basically 30 years on earth here showing us how to deal with relationships. Sure. This whole Bible is regarding relationships. Look at just Jesus for a minute. Everything he'd done through life was a relationship move. How to be submissive as a child. How to be humble coming to John the Baptist. To be vulnerable. To be baptized. Yeah. How to have relationships with disciples. How to have relationships with strangers. How to have relationships with those who detested him. Hated him. Killed him. Got news. No matter how much love you have, you're going to be people that detest you and hate you. Mm -hmm. yep. But look at Jesus. Amen. He showed us the way. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. As he walked along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting net into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fisher for men. Fish for men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, his father, preparing their nets, and called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus, the perfect one, one without sin, the one that knew everything that was going to happen, chose to reach out and build relationships. He chose to take those relationships the disciple others. Did he have to have them? No. But he chose to have them in relationships. To show them love. To show them the what. <clears throat> Jesus invited them in. If Jesus would have went walking right by him. And just kept on walking. What would have been the likelihood that they would have dropped their nets or jumped out of the boat and come to Jesus? Well, it was Jesus. They might have. But Jesus said, follow me. Here's one of the things Christians are doing wrong. Are we going out in this world and say, follow me to Jesus? Or are we just sort of hoping somebody might tag along? We need to be out there developing these relationships. We need to be That's out right. there. Every, remember what I told you last week. Every contact you have is a relationship. That's right. When you meet somebody at the gas pump, that's a relationship. 
It might be this deep, but it's a relationship. You have good relationships, you have bad relationships. You have shallow ones, you have deep ones. It's a connection. Sometimes you just bounce off people and you don't really connect too much, but then you're missing the chance for a relationship. Jesus didn't miss the chance for these relationships. He said, follow me. And bam, there's four disciples. We have to start inviting people to follow me. People want to know they're wanted. People want to know they're a part of something. They want to have an invitation. They want help. They need help. They need prayer. They need to re need someone to reach out. Yeah, how many times do we miss that opportunity to reach out? The scripture in James 4, you have not because you ask not, is applied to prayer. But what about the principle of the harvest? Apply that same scripture. You have not because you ask not. To those out there in relationships that you will not want to go too deep because it gets a little vulnerable, a little scary, or you don't have somebody come to church because you didn't ask them. You have not because you asked not. We have to seek these relationships. We have to seek going in deeper with people. We have to seek regardless of the what ifs. Because if I can tell you almost where what if comes from a lie of enemy. Well, what if they reject me? Well, if you invite them to church, and they reject you, they didn't reject you, they rejected Jesus. Right. If you try to get close to somebody and they reject you, they didn't reject you, they rejected the way of life that you're portraying, which is hopefully Jesus. Jesus, the perfect one, is reaching out to real relationships, to have companionship, fellowship, and friendship. The relationships show the way to disciple others as he showed them how to disciple others. If Jesus, who's the Son of God, wants to have relationships while he was walking on earth, then what makes us think we can do it on our own? The places of relationships may not be of obvious places with people that we may actually think they are. Now you stop and think about this. Jesus made friends with a bunch of stinky, nasty fishermen. These guys were sunbakes. They fished with nets. What, hap what happens when you throw a net and you catch fish? How many people ever threw nets for shad? How much slime is coming off the net whenever you pull that net that out there and you dump the shad out there? Oh, you smell like fish. Too much. And how, and how much does that slime smell? Bad. Now imagine that in the Middle East in the middle of the sun. These guys couldn't have smelled good. I don't care what everybody tells me on that. These guys had to smell bad. I mean, yeah, I know they're right there next to the water. They probably bathed in it often, but still, they stunk like fish. You know, the job was a respectable job, but it wasn't a glorious job. These guys were manual labor. He didn't pick the most desirable people. And here's the thing. Jesus and the Holy Spirit won't necessarily leave you to exactly who you think. Matthew 9, 9 through 13. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. Another invitation, follow me. Yeah. 
and he got up and he followed him. While he was reclining at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners came to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, when he heard this, he said, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and lean. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I didn't come to call the religious, but sinners. Here's the thing. When this church grows, it's all right if somebody's looking for a church from another church. That's fine. They're welcome. Come. Get fed. Grow. Amen. Let's get to harvest for the ones that are sick, the ones that need to. Let's reach out there and say, follow me to anybody, but especially those that don't believe, especially those that are far away, especially those that need Jesus in a way like they've never seen him before. Many times we're looking at the easy witness. We see somebody wearing a blessed shirt, so all of a sudden that opens up a door. I can actually talk to them about Jesus. We've all done it. Yeah. I met the place where Jamie uh, preached New Year's Eve. I met that pastor at a bocce drill in Springfield. He was wearing a Jesus hat on. That's actually how we started the conversation. I like your hat, man. That's how I started the conversation. And that opened the door for her. It actually was, it's not hard. I'm under wearing something that says Jesus on it. But yeah, how many times do we even pass that opportunity to start a relationship? Matthew here was a tax collector, a thief, basically. Not a whole lot different than normal taxes, it seems like. Sorry. <laughs> Truth. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that one, but. <laughs> At any rate, Matthew was not honorable as a tax collector. Yeah. It wasn't known to be an honest position. Wait a minute. Now the perfect guy here is choosing somebody to be a part of his ministry that's undesirable. Yeah, come on. Why would he do that? Now he's got a stinky fisherman and a tax collector. <laughs> some ministry this sounds like you needed to eat and have somebody to count <laughs> don't think you needed to eat because he can multiply any fish that he had anyway <laughs> many times we're not looking at people the way God wants us to look at them That's it right there. if somebody was to come in in bum clothes with a bag brown bag special in their hand stinking and sit right next to you in church, how would you feel about it? Even better yet, if you left here and you went to the gas station and that person was sitting there on the curb, what would you do about it? Would you want to develop a relationship with them? Or would you want to walk away from them? Think about it. read a book one time called Misfits Welcome. Yeah. The guy who wrote this book's dad was a mega, mega church pastor in Phoenix, Arizona. Mega church is right, that church was right around 10 to 12,000 people every Sunday. So this Matthew Barnett, I can't remember his name exactly. That's it, Matthew Barnett. Tommy and Matthew Barnett. He left Phoenix going to L.A. He's going to start his own mega church. Actually, it didn't exactly say it, but it sort of leads to the conclusion, the assumption there that, hey, Dad did it, so I'm going to go to L.A. and do it bigger and better and better. Got to LA. Basically, he fell flat on his face. 
You tried ministry, you tried ministry, you tried ministry. Then God spoke to him. Go after the ones I want you to go after. Yeah. He moved his desk out of his office and out on the sidewalk. <laughs> and started witnessing people right on the sidewalk right there at his desk. As his ministry started going, his ministry was the ministry that was going after those that didn't want, that no others wanted. He started going after the homeless, the prostitutes, and the addicts. He founded the Dream Center in L.A. The Dream Center is like an eight, nine-story building that they got that goes through 58 tons of groceries a month feeding people. He pastors, uh, was, I don't know if he still is, what did pastor Angelica's temple. And God was using him in ways in the communities of L.A. like he'd never seen before because he started looking at relationships differently. Look at the relationship that Jesus had with the misfits. Look at the relationship that Jesus does through the lives. You can, you can only see one of the original 12 that had a religious background. Simon the Zelot. Now he was a Zelot. That's a political or religious fanatical group usually known to carry out violent activities. Does not sound like the message of Jesus to me. You think about a Zelot. Yeah, they were religious. But they were extreme radicals that usually went about it not carrying it out in love. It was more about, I'm going to beat it into you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've ever been to a, a, a rally, like a bike rally or something, where somebody's on the, on the corner trying to Bible thump you into the love of Jesus? How well does it work? Not there. That's a Zenon. Now, there was also politically involved in that, but that was the only one that Jesus chose of his original 12 disciples. I had any kind of basic religious background that I could find. We need to look less at the religious background and more about who God says form a relationship Amen. with. Jesus invited each into relationships so they may see God's love and become what they're called to be. We need to see people in God's love and the potential they're called to be. In relationships, in, in a relationship, it is not our job to change anyone, just to share the love and let God work within them. I cannot change you. Only God can change you when you allow him to change you. Many times Jesus interacted, uh, interacted with people against tradition and religion. Look how many times he was around the sick. Look at Lazarus. The Jews shouldn't have went up to the dead. Look at the woman at the well. She was definitely unclean. Look at the purpose of each relationship. Relationships are more than building friends on social media. Relationships are more on how many likes I can get or how many followers I have. Relationships are more than self-actualization. More than your self-worth. So many times it's what do I get out of a relationship when the love of God is I'm going to invest in you regardless of what you get back. Sure. What that person says or does in that relationship does not reflect on who I am. I preached on a lot in November and early December on who you are. That is the basis of where you're at. How you identify yourself and God is a part of how deep you can go in a relationship. Relationships are about carrying out the Father's plan. 
Relationships are about walking in the authority God has you in. Relationships are about looking to the looking to Jesus, looking to the Holy Spirit, looking to the Father. Next point. Some people will be closer to you than others. And that's okay. Some people are going to come into a good relationship with you and some will reject you. They did Jesus. Some will enter into a relationship and it will grow and it will be good and some may change. Do we all have the same childhood friends that we once had? Absolutely not. One of my really good friends, I mean, we was tight. And as time's gone on, we've sort of come apart a little bit. We're both seeking a little bit different things in life. We're still friends. It's funny, I actually got to see him yesterday, and I thought it was him. He's in a motorcycle gang, an actual gang gang. And as I was coming up interstate, I seen a bunch of bikers come by me, and I seen her wearing the colors. And I thought, I wonder if Bill's in that bunch. I get to the house in Monette and I get a text and said, hard, hard to text while I'm riding, but seen a guy with some lines on the back of the trailer and thought it might have been, I thought it was you, hi. Sure enough, I said, I thought maybe he was in that bunch. Here's the thing, we're still friends, we're just not as close as we once was, yeah. and that's okay. Look at Luke 22, three. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot who was numbered among the twelve. One of the twelve that followed Jesus was overcome by Satan. He was tied with Jesus. He was one of the original twelve. You think about that a minute. He was in like Jesus' inner circle, but yet he turned around and got overcome and walked away. It's going to happen to us too. So that leaves the eleven disciples, and they went into the garden of Gethsemane to pray with Jesus in Matthew 26, 36 through 40. Jesus prays in Gethsemane. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons, which those would be John and James, according to the Gospel of Mark. He, Jesus, became uh, began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said, Peter, so can you not watch with me in this hour? So first of all, Jesus knows who's going to betray him. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He was going to sell him out. But what did he do? Did he say, okay, you get away from me, I'm going to kill you. You get away from me, I hate you. You're no longer part of us. I'm going to whoop your butt. I mean, honestly, how we act when we know somebody's going to betray us. Yeah. I'll speak for me. I mean, sometimes I get, I get pretty harsh. I mean, I'm I'm speaking real with you. I'm a man. I mean, and sometimes I let my mat flesh get over overtaken there, and uh, I want to get a hold of somebody. 
But that's not what Jesus shows us to do. So then after he politely dismissed Judas says he took the eleven to the garden. But here's one of the things that always that, that stands out to me in this. He took three further into the garden with him. And then he went a stone's throw further. So think about this. You got eleven that went with you. Hey, you guys stay right here. Except for you three. You three come here. Okay, you guys, you pray right here. Now I'm just going to go a little bit further and pray here. Do you see a, a little pattern here? It's a ripple effect. Right in the middle of our plop ought to be Jesus. Yeah. And then we can have our next ring where we have that one or two that we can really just, I mean, go in deep and all in with. And then going beyond that, we'll have our next circle. You know, Jesus had his plop. He focused on the Father. His next circle was those three. And then it went out to those eight. And then it went out from there. So let me ask you, think about it. What's your block? What makes your splash in the middle? What's in your first ring? Are your priorities right? If you're married, your spouse better be in that first ring. Yes. Not your kids necessarily. Your spouse better be in that first ring because that should be the most important person in your life. Look at your rings. Examine yourself this week as you go throughout and see what rings. See what ripple effect you're having that goes beyond even sight. It moves into the waves. Because I promise you that even after you can't see exactly that perfect circular pattern, it goes out there and there's a turbulence in the water. What are you doing in relationships to see that? About four years ago, I was at a men's weekend up in Sedalia. A little different ministry than what I usually went to. And the guy was talking about, and that guy's been through PTSD. He made a statement with some different things in it, but one of the things that he said, and to be honest, it made me me. It made me terribly mad. He said, who's in your corner? The reason why I made him mad at that point is because I wasn't in kind of relationships with people that I felt like I had anybody in my corner. And I felt betrayal. And I felt like I was swept under a rug. And I felt like this and I felt like that. And it took me a long time to realize that everything I felt like was from the enemy. Yeah. I remember when God was greater than my feelings. We're going to have to quit believing the lies of the enemy. Jesus says otherwise. He calls you to relationships. Some people are hard to love. Amen. I know. None of you believe that. You're around me very long. You'll know what times I'm hard to love. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. She'll tell you. There are days I'm hard to love. One day this week, as she came home, and I was aggravated, and I was pretty hard to love, and she called me on it, and I had to say, I'm sorry, dear. Look at Judas again on that. On that. Judas' betrayal, he chose to dismiss him and love him. 
going to Luke 22, 31 through 34. Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has obtained permission to come. Satan has obtained permission to come and sift you like wheat and test your faith. But I have prayed for you, Peter, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this, after you turn your back to me, I have been restored. Make it your life mission to strengthen the faith in your brothers. But Peter replied, I am ready to stand with you to the very end, even if it means prison or death. Jesus looked at him and prophesied, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Jesus knew again he was going to be betrayed by somebody that was in his inner circle there, somebody close to him, somebody that was going to deny him. But what did he do for him? He prayed for him anyway. He loved him anyway. What's Jesus doing for you right now? He's interceding for you right now. If you think about how many times you've betrayed Jesus, he's still interceding for you. He's still entering into that relationship with you. Romans 8, 34. Who is the one who condemns? Christ is the one who died, but even more has raised and is at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. Jesus shows us that when we know we have that he knows where we've been and who betrayed him, he will still pray for us. He will still be in that relationship with us. Even when we let him down, he prays for us. Even when others let us down, we should pray for them. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Your ancestors have also taught, love your neighbors and hate, uh, and hate the ones who hate you. I'm just going to stop right there. It's a lot easier to hate somebody than love somebody. Yeah. The world teaches us that pretty easy. The guy cuts you off in traffic, don't even know why he cuts you off in traffic. Maybe he was going to his dying mother's bedside, but it's a lot easier to hate the action than it is love. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Your ancestors are taught. The world is taught. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one that curses you, do something wonderful for the one that hates you, and respond to the very one who persecutes you by praying for them. There's that praying for them again. Must be something important. So that you will reveal your identity as children for your heavenly Father. He is kind to all, bringing the sunrise and to the warm and rainfall to the refresh whoever a person does what is good or evil. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Do even tax collectors do that? Are you different from the others if you limit your kindness? Only the friends. Don't even the godly, ungodly do that? Since you are children of the perfect Father, become perfect in Him. The world tries to tell us to love those we like. And last week I challenged you to show me in God's Word where it supports this statement. <coughs> I got to love them, but I don't have to like them. If you truly love them like God, you're going to like them. Now you may not like some of their actions. You don't have to like an addict's addiction. But you're going to like the person because God says love them and you're going to love them. Amen. Culture throws that in there to put a space in a relationship. The world shows us to hate those who hate you. This verse says love your enemy. We're to bless the one that curses us. 
Do something wonderful for someone who hates you. Ouch. Ouch. I got to do something nice for them. I got to do something, not just nice, it says wonderful. Yeah. I'm a work in progress. Anybody else? Guys, this message is on me. It's preaching to me too. I ain't say I've mastered this. Respond to every act of discontent, hate, lie, or whatever it is in prayer. Not just Lord change them because they're wrong. Ask for them to seek favor. In the five of Christ, well, Lord, you need to help her because she needs to realize the error of her will change the way you need to pray. How many times do we pray for somebody we don't don't care for or we hate that way? Lord, you need to help them because they're wrong. I need to see it. You need to slap them upside the head. Amen. <laughs> Maybe, Lord, you need to come into them and that way they can see you and they can see light and receive your blessings. Might be a better way to pray. And, Lord, help me to have tolerance and patience to be able to accept them and the wisdom of how to reach them and talk to them and fill me with your love so I can love on them like they need to be loved. I know, easier said than done. But that's what God's Word tells us to do. It's right here. You look at the last part of that, it says, this reveals whose identity is a child of God. This is part of our identity. This is part of our DNA in the love of God is to do these things. This is the love of God that I spoke about last week in action. This is putting it down, the love of God to us, putting it out to each other. And at times we're going to do it very well. And at times we're going to do it very poorly, to be honest. But here's the key. Where's your heart in this? Ah, I'm only going to go this far. That's all, I, that's all I'm going to do. Is that the love of God or is that just what I'm going to do? Remember what it says, anybody can love those who love them. Mm -hmm. If I walked out and I gave somebody a $10 bill right now, it'd be really easy to love me at that point, wouldn't it? <laughs> but if I walked up to you in the Holy Spirit and I rebuked you on a matter, probably wouldn't be the same, re same reception either. Love everyone. Reach to those that you wouldn't normally reach to. Listen to the Holy Spirit as you go throughout. So we go into this altar time. I want you to think about the existing relationships you have with people. First thing I want you to ask yourselves, how willing are you to receive a relationship? And everything. We got music, ladies. Ladies, we have music. Yeah. <laughs> 